Blog Talk Radio. continue where we left off last week and um, <clears throat> people have been giving some good reviews on the, these videos that we are doing these teachings on Beyond the Veil <clears throat> and we were talking last week on the, on how to prepare how to prepare for the um, for the hard times that are coming upon us, and um, and this subject of preparation is a, primarily a spiritual thing, right? And um, secondly, it is uh, uh, a bodily or material uh, preparations. But if the heart is not right, all your other preparations to protect your body will be in vain. And so we have been talking about some of that. Um, and we also were talking last week, and I want to do a follow-up on that, on um, the solar eclipses. Of course, I shared last week the solar eclipses are a sign of God's judgment on the nations. The lunar eclipses are a sign of God's judgment on Israel. And uh, particularly important was the fact that there have been... Uh, you know, three uh, solar eclipses so far that have crisscrossed the United States. And I mentioned last week that he made the sign of the beginning and the end. Two Hebrew letters that basically, Paleo-Hebrew that is, that, you know, represent uh, the the beginning and the end. The, uh, the, the Tav and the Aleph. And... Um, and we talked about the fact that April 8th this year, there's going to be another one. And so <clears throat> these eclipses, these solar eclipses, when they crisscross the United States, um, they basically made that sign. They made that sign over the United States. Those two uh, Hebrew letters. And I thought that was fascinating, and that was extremely interesting, and this is definitely a fulfillment of the signs in the heavens that Jesus spoke about, that there would be signs in the heavens before his return. He spoke about this many times. Yeshua spoke about this many times in the Word of God. 
and uh, we we uh, we must not be uh, uh, neglectful to uh, you know to look at these things when they are happenings. And uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna share with you some things here today um, that I believe are gonna be very 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 interesting. I don't know if you have heard of, uh, from it before, but I have been doing some research, and people send me stuff all the time. People send me videos, and they send me you know, all kinds of things, and I <clears throat> and I go ahead and do the research and do the digging, and then uh, I watch it and research it, and then I am able to share it with you all so that you don't have to do the, the digging and the researching, okay? Now, uh, Jesus said... Okay, that uh, in the in the book of Luke, chapter twenty-one, verse eleven, he says, and there was going to be great earthquakes in various places, and famines, and pestilences, and fearful sights, and great signs shall there be from heaven. Notice, he said, from heaven, great signs from heaven. Okay, pay attention. He's talking about the heavens. And then he says in verse 25 that there shall be, and then he says uh, there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. We are seeing signs in the sun right now. All these CMEs. Weird stuff going on in the sun. And in the moon and in the stars. And upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity. Seas and waves roaring. Man's hearts failing them for fear, for looking towards those things which are coming upon the earth, for the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then he said, and then, after these things happen, and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the cloud with power and great glory. And then he said in verse 28, a very important word he gave there that we should not neglect to read it and Keep it in front of us. He says, and when these things begin to come to pass, then look up, top your heads, for your redemption draws near. And again, I told you, I've taught this before many times, but repetition is a good teacher. That word, uh, when these things begin to happen, okay, he says, look up, all right, look up, that's the word anakupto. And it's not just looking up, okay? It's much more than that. It means to be uh, to be elated, elated. In other words, be excited, be happy, okay? That that is hidden in the meaning of the original uh, uh, Greek word there, anakupto. But it's there. And then he says, and lift up your heads. And that word, lift up your heads, again, people think it's just looking up and lifting up your heads. It's much more than that, folks. That word there, lift up, is the word epiro in the Greek, which means, it means to, it means to lift up, yes, but it also means to, to be poised, to be poised, to be poised, to be prepared, okay? <clears throat> that is also what it means. Lift up your heads, look up, be excited, lift up your heads, be prepared, 
for your redemption draws near. And that word redemption there is much more than just being bought by the blood of the Lamb. Listen to this. It's the word apolutrosis in the Greek. And that means your ransom is going to be paid in full. Your ransom, your full ransom is about to happen. It means, it means also deliverance. Your deliverance is drawing near. Okay? So keep, keep in mind these key words. Your salvation, your deliverance is near, is upon you. And that, and that, and that word draweth nigh. Your redemption, your redemption draweth nigh. That word is the Greek word agizo. And again, I'm going to this original text because many times in the translations, people lose a lot of the meaning of what is involved in that word. So I want to give it to you. I know all, you, all of you don't have time out there to get in your, into, your, into your Hebrew uh, you know, uh, uh, dictionaries and your Greek dictionaries and, you know, and, and translate all of these things. So I am doing this for you. Okay? So you don't have to because I know it's hard when you work and are taking care of so many things, as most of you are. It's hard to do this kind of research. So I'm doing this for you. Okay? It's okay. I love doing this. I'm doing this for myself too. So I, I, I enjoy doing this. I really do. So the uh, he says your your um, your redemption, your deliverance is drawing near, which also means is approaching. It's at hand. L- listen, listen. L- I mean, it, it, if this doesn't excite you, then I don't know what will. He says your deliverance is at hand. It's near. It's approaching. So. I share this thing uh, with you because I wanted to uh, make sure you understood the seriousness of these signs in the heavens, okay? Now, having said that, let me proceed, okay? Let me proceed. Let me proceed because this is very, very, very interesting. I'm going to share some things, and, I'm going to, and then I'm going, to, I'm going to teach you a little bit about how to prepare, and then I'm going to share something else at the end, okay? <clears throat> now, listen to this. There's something, something very, very, very interesting about this, okay? And that is that all these other, uh, there have been uh, uh, many patterns set in prior uh, solar eclipses over this nation, okay? And um, and, uh, and so so I wanted to take a look at this because this is very, very fascinating, very interesting. And uh, there were two solar eclipses like the ones we had, okay? And um, which happened in June 24, 1778 and October 27, 1780. And what happened as a result of that, that led, that was a warning for the, revo- uh, the, uh, the, uh, the American Revolutionary War, which took place from, 17, uh, from 1775 to 1783. And these two solar eclipses happened then. Let's go on. 
Then there were three other, three other solar eclipses that happened on July 18, 1860, August 7, 1869, and July 29, 1878. And that, guess what happened back then? In 1861, April 12, 1861, was the beginning of the American Civil War. And that lasted until April, I think it was April 9, 1865. So those, those solar eclipses back in those days signaled and was a warning for the American Civil War. <coughs> this is what happened. And these this solar eclipses are very symbolic. And so are we saying that then in April 8th, there's going to be another one. Is that is that some kind of war? Because it it appears that every time these solar eclipses have happened before, um, they have been a war of some sort. So will there be a war if this pattern continues on April you know uh, in April eight twenty twenty four? If this pattern continues, okay, will this signal a war? There will not be another one, another one of these solar eclipses until 2044. So that's way in the future. We don't even know we're going to make it until then. But this one is in April 8, 2024, which I talked about last week. And it made a sign of uh, when this happens, it's, made this, it's going to make the sign of the Aleph and the, and the, the Aleph and the, and the, and that have so this is extremely extremely important so this is going to be the ninth solar eclipse and um, you make your own conclusions there but I, I and I don't want to I don't want to say what what I believe is going to happen but I do believe that this has something very significant to do with um, the solar eclipses and the world events and the events here in the United States of America now, <clears throat> the people that understand these things, okay, and God has always sent men or women to warn the people, right? The sons of Isaacar, as far as when these things are getting ready to happen. And uh, this is so the people prepare. This is so that the people pay heed and prepare and pray and set their hearts to seek the Lord with all their beings and get their minds and their heart in the word of God and in his presence, cleaving to Jesus Christ, Yeshua, more and more each day and be better prepared for the storm as we see it approaching. And these people that do this, believers that do this, are going to be much better prepared, okay? than those others that have a bunker on the ground bunker with, uh, you know, a 20 year supplies of food and stuff like that. They're going to be much prepared, much better prepared because they have prepared spiritually. Now, when the almighty told the children of Israel to prepare to leave Egypt, he didn't give them instructions, right? He didn't, he didn't tell him to stockpile food or water. And, I mean, he told him to, you know, and, and the Egyptians heaped on them stuff, right? 
food and and and, uh, and and valuables and things of that nature, gold and silver. But what I'm trying to tell you is, <clears throat> I'm not saying those things are bad. As I have said to you before, it's okay to prepare. It's okay to have those things. But your eyes must not be fixed on those things. Just like the children of Israel, the Almighty, okay, told them to stand by. Stand by. Get ready. <clears throat> they were about to cross a desert that was <laughs> there was no food, there was no water, it was barren. There were no resources whatsoever. And um at least in Egypt they had uh, they had all the food they needed, water. But now the only thing they had was a promise from God to preserve them as they made their way through the desert. And this is where trust and faith in him comes in. Thank you, Jesus. So the, the 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 most important instructions that the Almighty gave Israel for preparation were spiritual. And uh, there were three things that he told them, basically. <clears throat> One, the first thing and the most important thing, which I talk about a lot, and I practice it myself a lot, is get secure in the blood or by the blood. Remember when they were told that each family had to kill a lamb and sprinkle the blood of the animal on the doorposts of their home. They were also told to trust the blood. As long as that blood of that lamb was applied to the doorpost, the family remained safe from the the destroyer that was about to strike Egypt. So when they heeded the instructions of the Most High, they were not just secure spiritually, but they were also secure physically. They were secure under the blood of the Lamb. Everyone in the home, everyone, the, the parents and the children, they were safe. Everyone was safe there. So the same pattern is for us today. We are to prepare for these coming um, hor horrific things, catastrophes, right, by making sure that we are under the blood of the Lamb. We are to put our confidence in him and in the blood that he shed for us at Calvary. And then he will guide you. If he wants you to do something and he wants you to set this aside and get prepared and do this and do that, he will show that to you. He will show that to you not in the spirit of fear because the spirit of, of God is the spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. <clears throat> we are not to be in fear. So we are to walk in trust and confidence and prepare. Prepare spiritually and prepare physically. Okay, uh, as the Lord directs you, as the Lord directs you, everybody's not going to be the same. Now, there are some things that the Lord Almighty probably will tell you. And if you're in a dangerous city, he'll probably tell you, you need to get out now. I don't know if you're hearing from God. I don't know if you're hearing well. But the, <clears throat> the inner city, wherever that happens to be, it's going to be, it's going to become very dangerous. 
And so if you are going to stay there, if you're going to stay there, and, and not everybody can leave. Not everyone can leave uh, the city. <clears throat> I understand that. Sometimes the finances are not there. You don't have the ability to just pack up and go, pull up your roots. There are many, many, many things that uh, restrain you from doing that. I understand. So everybody is not in the same boat. But if you're going to stay in the city and uh, and you believe the Lord is going to t- take care of you and protect you there, then you need to be close, as close to Jesus as possible. If you're living in the world, if you're if you're concerned with the cares of this life, and you are a lukewarm Christian, and you just say, "I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to stay wherever, and He's going to take care of me," and you quote promises of God like that, I would be very concerned if I was you. Okay. Now, I believe all that. I believe in the promises of God. I believe we can we can appropriate those promises of God, but you have to be in covenant with Him. You have to be in covenant. Okay. And in order to be in covenant, I have taught on covenant a lot. You need to go back and hear it. Listen to it. I think there are, those teachings are in mysteries beyond the uh, um, um, uh, mysteries beyond the veil. I think it's, it's what it's called. Mysteries beyond the veil. It's one of them. I don't remember which one it is, but I talk about covenant. It's very powerful. And when you're in covenant with someone. When you're in covenant with the Almighty, that means that everything you have is His. That includes your life. He owns you. And everything you have is His, and everything that He has is yours. That's, the, that's how a covenant is made. When two men in the old days made a covenant, they exchanged things, important things in their lives. As a sign of the covenant. When God made a covenant with man, he gave, he gave man a part of his name. In the case of Abraham, he called him Abraham. He put the ha in there. When he changed the name of Sarai to Sarah, he put his stamp in there. In other words, that's a sign of covenant, folks. That's a sign of covenant. And so, anyway... <clears throat> I don't want to be sidetracked here. I'm just, I'm, I just gave you a little update in case you've forgotten. But you can go back and listen to the whole teaching. There, it's got a lot in it. So the other thing that, that the Almighty told the people of Israel to do when they were in Egypt was they had to eat the lamb. And they had to eat all of it. Not just some parts of it. They had to eat all of the lamb. They were to feast on that lamb that was killed. Of course, the lamb is a type of Christ. And uh, that slain animal, the slain lamb that, that they ate, uh, they, uh, you know, they, it represented the body of Jesus. Jesus, remember, Jesus says, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And this is why we have communion. Now, when we have communion, we remember that like the Apostle Paul taught, and like Jesus taught, when he gave bread to his disciples, he says, take and eat, this is my body, which is being broken for you. 
And when he passed the cup, he says, drink, this is the, my blood which is shed for you. Are you following me? So when the Israelites did that, when God told Moses to have the Israelites eat the lamb, eat the flesh of the lamb and consume all of it, he represented the body of Yeshua. And so we are reminded when we read the passage in, the, in Exodus. And so if I ask you today, what are you feasting on today? What are you eating on? What, what are you, uh, what is your main, your main uh, focus of consumption? Do you eat on God's word? Do you feed on Jesus, his presence? Do you feed on his, on his, on his word, on his promises? Are you building up your spiritual body by doing that, by having times of intimacy with him? Are you digesting his word daily, hiding it in your heart? Are you growing spiritually by feeding on him every day? If not, you got to start eating on him, eating on him right now while there is still time. And the other thing is the Almighty told the you know Moses to have the Israelites eat all of the lamb. They were not able to just pick and choose. They had to consume the whole lamb. Eat the whole lamb. And uh you know this is something that a lot of people do not uh do today. They they do not want to consume the whole lamb. Um, they want to pick and choose what to eat. You know, if there's a portions of scripture that they don't like, uh, they won't they won't they won't touch it. They just go on to the good stuff. And so, this is this is why it is important that uh, you consume the whole lamb. You consume the whole word. The the parts that are difficult to hear. And the parts that are, is, is good to hear is a blessing. You need both. You need both to be able to be built up, to be able to grow and mature spiritually strong. You just cannot feast on the, on the blessing part and leave out the correction part. This is why there's a lot of Christians that are weak and that are in, in hopelessness and in worldliness and, and are involved in the world. This is the reason why, because they're only looking after the the fast food, um, you know, blessing. Give me a quick blessing. Give me a quick word of blessing. And uh, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with a, a word of blessing. I enjoy words of blessing. Everyone does, but that has to be also uh, uh, supplemented by or complemented by words of instruction, words of counsel, correction. If not, you're going to shipwreck. You're going to shipwreck. And so um, this is important. This is important. Um, Very, very important that you understand this. Very, very important. Uh, Because if not, you're going to become a kind of a, a, a... a a, uh, a a candy Christian. You only want candy, like children. You only want things that 
You don't want to eat your broccoli. You don't want to eat your, your greens. You don't want to eat your, you know, things that are good for you, that are nutritious for you. You only want the, uh, the dessert. And so, unfortunately, a lot of churches have become dessert preachers. Now, churches are beginning to, to pick it up. I guess, I guess that they have gotten uh, the, 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 the email, and they're beginning to do some good teaching. I, I, have, I have been listening here and there, and, and I was surprised that some of them, <clears throat> some of these preachers are beginning to pick it up. Well, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, and so you know this is this is uh, very important, and uh, that the people eat the whole lamb, the whole lamb, eat all the lamb, and so when we when we when we understand this, we are going to see that uh, you know uh, that the people in Egypt did that, and they <clears throat> and they were protected. So you got to consume all of it. And then the, the other thing that they were told to do is to be ready to go at any time. The people of Israel had to be prepared to leave everything behind at a moment's notice. They had to be willing to forsake everything that was comfortable, everything that was secure, everything that they had an attachment to. They had to be prepared to leave it. So what are you saying, Augusto? What I'm telling you is, precious people, there's nothing wrong with having things. There's nothing wrong with having, you know, nice cars or a good home, a good comfortable home. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having some clothes, you know, nice clothes. There's nothing wrong with any of that. The problem comes when you or I, let's say we, become attached to those things. And those things begin to get an importance in our lives that they should not have. The Lord doesn't care if you have anything as long as those things do not take his place. Listen to me closely, please. Closely. We have to have the attitude. Okay? We, we have to be heavenly minded. We have to be heavenly minded. And, and, and let me add to that and say we have to be eternity-minded so that we are able to handle these things that are coming because we may have to move quickly. We may, have, we may leave this world at any moment, either through the rapture or through, the, or through, uh, or through death. And so, you know, we, we are not going to take anything with us. So the Lord does not want us getting attached to anything here, to anything. We are to enjoy the things we have. We are to enjoy the, the possessions we have. We are to enjoy our family. The, fa the family can also become uh, an idol. That Your job can become an idol. Your business can become an idol. Anything can become an idol. An idol is not just an image made by hands. But it's that which you put your affections and your full devotion in. That is your idol. And so you have to be ready to let it go at any moment. And um, at a moment's notice. And so when the time for, uh, finally came for them to leave, 
The only food they had with them was unleavened bread. And it was just enough to last them for a few days. So God instructed them. He said, you're going to have to trust me. And you're going to have to cast your care upon me, your future, completely and totally in my hands. And so this applies to us today, precious people. And, uh, you know, like I said before, it's okay to make some preparations to prepare for these things that are happening, these things that are coming. You know, that is, that is biblical. The Bible tells us to do that. But we are not to be tied down to anything in this world. We have to be prepared in our very lives. We have to put in God's care. We have to put it in his hands. In a way maybe that you have never done before. Maybe you have never done this before. So uh, we've we got to have heaven on our minds. And we have to have our eyes fixed on Jesus Yeshua and fixed on eternity and on eternal things because eternal things are eternal but the, the things of this life are temporal they are not going to last forever and so we have to be prepared to lose everything a lot of people are going to commit suicide in this country and in the west in the not-too-distant future, because they're going to see that they're going to lose everything. They're losing everything that they worked all their lives, and they have built, and it's going to be lost. And they're not going to be able to handle it. They're not going to be able to bear it. And so we have to be prepared to lose everything. And, to, and, and yes, I'm going, to, I'm going to say something hard, okay? I'm going to say something difficult. So if you don't want to hear this part, just just turn it off for a, for a few moments, okay? But you're going to have to be prepared to even lose your family, to even lose your own life and your own future. You're going to have to be prepared to handle that and to put that in God's hands. There are things which we are not going to be able to comprehend with our carnal finite minds we have been chosen as the bride of christ as a bride as the bride of yeshua we are engaged to the wedding with him he purchased us with his own blood it says in the book of acts chapter 20 he purchased us with his own blood Anytime you, you begin to get angry or you begin to get resentful or such things, read the scripture. Read the scripture. Read, read the, and, and there are many. There are many like that. But in the book of Acts, uh, chapter, 20, uh, chapter 20, verse 28, it says, Take heed therefore to yourselves. To all the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. Okay? With his own blood. And then, and then of course, uh, Apostle Paul said in verse 29, uh, in verse uh, 29, he says, For I know that after my departing, 
you know, after he'd passed away. Shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock? Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Remember and watch, therefore, that by the space of three years I ceased not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And so this is, this is uh, important that we keep this in front of us. Uh, okay. Uh, very, very important that, uh, uh, that we keep these scriptures in front of us uh, and always, always remember uh, uh, they, in the scripture here, let me share something with you. Uh, uh, very, very, very interesting. Uh, it says that they shall be speaking perverse things. Now, when you look at that in the original Greek, diastropho, it means distorting scripture. Wow. I, 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 I never realized that's what he meant. When he says that they shall arise among you, you know, out, out of your own selves, you know, <laughs> men speaking Men or women uh, speaking perverse things. That means distorting things. They distort the word of God. That also means misinterpret. That also means to corrupt, to twist the word of God, to draw away disciples after themselves. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says right here. To the church. So, <clears throat> this is some of the things. Let me continue. Uh, many people have corrupted themselves. They they cannot endure. They there are people right now. There are Christians that they just cannot endure a sound word. They cannot endure sound teaching. They can't take it. It, it they they don't want to hear it. They cannot. A stand to hear it. It has to be politically correct things. They cannot stand to hear the preaching of the Word of God. And I'm not talking about condemnation. I'm not talking about slandering. I'm not talking about being uh, mad and upset and preaching that kind of stuff. I don't. I don't. I don't do that. And I don't. I don't believe in doing that. And I don't look kindly on people that do that. Okay. I'm talking about preaching sound doctrine, preaching sound doctrine, foundational doctrine, foundational teaching from the Word of God, preaching the truth. And so many people, many that are, in the, are supposed to be in the bride of Christ, uh, they have eyes for other lovers. They have eyes for other lovers, and the Lord Almighty, he's, very, he's a very jealous God. You have to remember, precious people, he is, the, the Word of God says he's a jealous God. He does not, just like any man, just like any, just like any bridegroom would get upset when he sees his bride, uh, right, having, uh, you know, going after other lovers. He gets jealous and he gets upset. Any, any, any bridegroom would do that. Any man would do that, right? Well, how much more the Lord who is holy, 
And so many people do this, and they don't think that it matters to God, that God is love, and he doesn't care. You have such a finite understanding of the Word of God that it is just, uh, I mean, astonishing. It's the word I can say. So this, a, lot, a lot of people that call themselves in the bride of Christ, that call themselves a church, call themselves Christian themselves by loving the world and loving the things of the world and loving the cares of this world to the point where if, if, if I or anyone else says anything, you know, and I'm, again, I'm not talking about insulting words you know, or, or talking down to people. I don't believe in that. I speak in gently but firmly speaking the word of truth like I'm doing to you now. If you cannot handle this, then you, I, I counsel you to look inside of you because you got some issues. You have some serious issues. And so many of these people have corrupt, corrupted themselves by loving these things in the world. And so now their, their bridal gown, their bridal uh, garments, they are soiled. They are stained. In the book of Ephesians, let's look at another scripture here. The book of Ephesians, <clears throat> the book of Ephesians, uh, we're going to read in chapter 5. Uh, let's see, chapter 5. It says, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing uh, of water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that he should be holy and without blemish. Okay? Now, that, that is a very, very in, uh, in, interesting scripture there. When you read that word holy, okay, that word holy there, Again, a lot of people. A lot of people when they when they when they think that you know they look at the word holy, they think it's a perfect, a, you know, immaculate, pure, without any spot or wrinkle or anything, you know, anything that you know. And we're going to commit errors. We are going to sometimes say things that maybe we have to repent afterwards. Maybe you get upset a little bit, and and then you have to repent. Uh, you know, things like that, and. Uh, and so, but, you know, so the Word of God teaches us to be holy, which means you, we ha you have to pursue that. You have to follow after that. But, but the word holy there, I wanted to bring that to your attention, is the word hagios, which means sacred, okay, which means pure, morally blameless, okay? That means that in your in your morality your morality is 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 solid. Your moral values are solid. Okay, and uh, it means that you're pure. That you know that you're not you know there's no maliciousness in you. There's no uh, deviousness in you. There's no uh, you know manip manipulation. You know uh, all these things of the world that this is not in you. You're pure. It also means uh, consecrated, means you are consecrated to Yeshua. That means that 
you belong to him and you will not you will not bow down you will not you will not sell out for anything you are consecrated to him and that is what we're supposed to be we are supposed to be consecrated to him to be married to him do you understand it also means uh holy it also means saints which is where many times in the new testament uh, the, the the christians are called saints because that's what we're supposed to be all right so you know apostle paul made it very clear that we are to holy for our bridegroom without spot wrinkle or blemish you know we are supposed to try to be the best at, at, as, as much as possible okay and uh, and then and that's what the blood of jesus is is for this is what the blood of jesus is for precious people this is what the blood of jesus is for and uh, and again um you know we 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 have to understand this we have to understand that uh, in the in the first epistle of john chapter 1 verse 8 the apostle john said this and this is this this goes along with what i was just saying okay that that we all have some type of sin that we have to repent of here and there this is the reason why <clears throat> the apostle john in first john 1 8 says if we say that we have no sin okay <laughs> We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So basically saying, if you say you have no sin, that you have done nothing, nothing wrong, that you have not broken the law, and remember, if anybody breaks the law in just one little point, he breaks the whole law. He breaks the whole thing. This is in the, in the teachings of Paul in the book of Romans. But then John says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. You are deceiving yourself. But then look, look at what he says in verse 9. If we confess our sins, and this is the blessed hope, we, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful. He is our high priest. And he, if you confess your sins, it's a done deal, quickly. It's forgiven. It's washed away. It's under the blood. But, and then he, in verse 10, he comes right back. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and that his word is not in us. So, so he's telling you there, do not say you have not sinned. Do not say that you have no sin. Confess your sins. If you confess your sins, he's going to be faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's a powerful, beautiful promise. And so, so we're supposed to be making preparations to leave this demon-infested planet and sin-cursed world to be with Jesus. We're not to be clinging to more and more things in this world. We're not to be clinging to that. We are to truly be a lover of Jesus, a lover of Yeshua. And uh, we have to be making daily preparations to meet him. 
precious people. Okay? Let me get a drink here. The book of Revelation, he talks about the bride of Christ coming down from God in heaven, prepared as a bride. Revelation 21, verse 2. And so this is the city of God, the city that John was talking about. So these people, we are supposed to be seated with Jesus Christ, Yeshua, and in heavenly places, like in Ephesians 2, 6. Book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse, verse 6. We are supposed to be, he has raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Yeshua. So, the bride of Christ is supposed to spend a lot of time alone with the Lord, seeking his face, talking to him, communing with him, making love to him. What are you saying, Augusto? Making love to him? Yes. Making love to him, telling how much you love him, how beautiful he is. Have you read the book of Solomon? Have you, have you read the song of Solomon of their relationship between the bride and the bridegroom? And it's supposed to be symbolic of the relationship between us and Yeshua. One of these days, I'm going to teach you a little bit on that. Yeah. A lot of you do not understand that aspect of our relationship with the Lord. Because you have never been taught. You've never heard it. You've never read that in that, with, you know, in that aspect, in that light, in that revelation. What I just shared with you. And every time that the people of God, every time that we come out of the prayer closet, it is like we are coming down from heaven. This is, this is how the bride is supposed to be like. This is what the bride is supposed to look like. And this is what the bride is supposed to, to be doing. And, uh, you know, not getting pleasure from the sins of this world. No not getting pleasure from the sins of this world, but always trying to uh, achieve, you know, as close to the Lord as possible. And how close can I get to the Lord, Augusto? How close can I get to him? Listen to me. As close as you want. As close as you want. There's no limit to how close you can get to him. You can get as close to him as you want. And so <clears throat> this, this, the bride of Christ, the bride of Yeshua, their affections are not set on material things, but it's are set on him. And their hearts are always where Jesus is, where Yeshua is. They don't want to be where he is not. They don't want to be in worldly festivities or worldly parties or looking at things of the world. You know, they have no desire about to be in those places, or to be with the, in the midst of those things, no, no appetite for that whatsoever. And so there's very few people that are at that level, and there are very few people that are in number, but they, have, they only have eyes for Jesus. They only have a desire for him. He has such a pull on their lives. He draws them to him. Every morning when you wake up, you wake up saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for these days. What a beautiful day it is today. 
Thank you for everything you have given me. Thank you for all the things you have protected me from. So, you know, you give, you're talking to him. You are making love to him. You're worshiping him. So this bride of Jesus Christ is preparing, okay, uh, for what is coming. And this is the most important preparation and that they're doing is, you know, for the wedding feast of the Lamb. And uh, the bride of Christ is adorning herself, is adorning herself, readying herself, purifying herself by faith. How, how is she adorning herself? Well, instead of trying to, you know, do this and that, you know, to make this body more pretty, we are adorning our spiritual man or spiritual woman, putting more love there trying to walk more in love, trying to walk more in grace, trying to walk more in, uh, in kindness, trying to walk more in forgiveness. Yeah. So this is how we set our heart in order. I'm praying in faith. And uh, the heart of the, of, the, of the bride is not supposed to be attached to this world anymore, but only wants to be with the bridegroom. So... Um, so this is what the main focus should be for the people right now, what we are seeing, what we are experiencing. And, um, and um, the people, unfortunately and sadly, a lot of people in the body of Christ have become, have fallen away. And, um, and there's a lot of grief in the heart of the master because of this. He gave me a word recently, and he was heavy. I know he was heavy. And he was sad. He was he was grieved because of this, what was going to happen and the condition of his people. And so, remember the Apostle Paul, how he talked about running the race as to win, as if you're going to win it, as if you're going to win a crown. Train yourselves. Buffet your bodies. Not buffet your bodies. Buffet your bodies. <laughs> and... uh Anyways, uh, just a little humor there. No, no pun intended. But uh, anyways, um, we're going to we're going to stop there in a moment because I want to give you something else that's that's very 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 interesting, and uh, I want to close with this because this is very very important, and that is that uh, there is. Um, there's another thing that's going to happen, folks, and that is that uh, <laughs> there's going to be. Uh, remember that sign made by the by the by the solar eclipses. Well, there's also going to be those two same signs, the Aleph and the Tav, are going to be made also. Listen to me closely. Those two same signs, the same signs that. <laughs> were made by the solar eclipses crossing America, okay? This is also going to happen in the heavens. I was watching this. Somebody made this study, and it's very, very fascinating. Now, now this was, um, this was, you know, a long while ago, several months ago, almost a year ago. But I was watching that, and... Uh, there's going to be uh, an Aleph-type sign that's going to happen in the heavenlies 
on May 21st is going to happen in Taurus. And it's going to happen, guess on what time? 11, 11 a.m. 11, 11 a.m. And so the first and the last, it goes through there. And uh, this is this is going to, you know, uh, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. I, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to... Uh, because it's kind of tedious, I'm not going to take you through it. I mean, you can look it up. You can look it up. The signs in the heavens of the Aleph and the Tav. It's it's there. It's in the. Look it up. You research it. It's going to happen in May 21st. And the person that did this study did a a, pre, a pretty good in, uh, interesting study using solarium, stellarium. And so, uh, very very interesting. Uh, so this is happening in the heavens, the Aleph and the Tav, the beginning and the end. He's announcing it. The Almighty is announcing it to everyone in the heavens and in the United States. Could this be maybe why the United States is he's doing this? He's, he's, he's doing the solar eclipses and uh, making the same sign. The same same two times, and April 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 uh, in April, of course, uh, in the it's going to happen. It's going to happen. The April eighth, twenty twenty four, forms an X right over there. You know, right over where the uh, the Madrid fault is. Isn't that interesting? Right where the Madrid fault line is. So, anyways. Uh, it's 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 just uh it's just so much going on. Uh, but anyways, uh, I just wanted to leave you with that uh and pray and trust that I have shared enough to uh, stir you up to want to uh get closer to Jesus and Yeshua because the times are a ticking and we just don't know folks. We don't know what this future holds and uh this next several months are going to be quite a ride. This is Augusto Perez. May the Lord bless you. We'll talk to you next time. Shalom.